The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Pat Carty of Hard Press is with me. You're a big fan. I am a massive fan. I, I'd say I'm probably the biggest fan in the country. No way. How does one make that claim? What's called a mastermind thing? If I was doing that in a specialist well, your subject. Your specialist subject I'd would be the Rolling so, yeah. Stones. In fact, I'd say I know more about the Stones than I know about my parents, most of my friends, maybe even my kids. <laughs> and what particular era? Is it those early years in the uh, Stones? It's actually, it, it's all of it for me. But there is uh, a segment of their career from about, from 19, actually from May 1968 to about 72, 73, when they made four or five records. And they... Uh, without putting too fine a point on it, are the best records ever made by anybody. How long was it from 62 uh, when they first went into the recording studio until they gained fame? Well, they were making records in 63. You know, those that, that, that demo that, that you're talking about there was, as you say, the Rolling Stones. And the reason for that, the, the apostrophe, is that um, when Brian Jones had to come up with a name for the band when they were playing in the marquee, he happened to be standing near a Muddy Waters album that was called Rolling Stone. So that's where that comes from. And uh, there's only Keith and uh, Brian and Mick in the band at that time. It was Stu... Uh, on Ian Stewart on the piano who was soon demoted to road manager because the management said his face didn't fit in and he'd a bit of a he'd he'd kind of one of those do you remember that fellow that was on the ads in the 70s with the square face when he was shaving he'd a bit (laughs) of a face like that and then uh, there was another bloke called Tony Chapman on the drum so Charlie Watts came in the next year and then there's a demo in early 63 that came out a couple of years ago and they already had it 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 was you know it was only only released officially a couple of years ago brilliant and what was it like what was so unique about their music that was new in 1963. Well, the thing that they were bringing in, uh, and there was a few people at it, but they kind of got there first, is that they'd become obsessed with blues and rhythm and blues. So you're talking about um, Chuck Berry, you're talking about Muddy Waters, you're talking about Howlin' Wolf, Little Walter, all these people. And it's not like today, or even when when we were kids, where you go to a record shop and get these things. You had to search for these things. Mm. And they would send off to Chess Records in Chicago and they'd send them the records. But they were the first kind of guys to get that. And, uh, you know, the Beatles were already doing their thing up in, in Liverpool and then down in London. But this was a kind of a different thing. And culturally, like how soon did there kind of, was there established this divide between the Beatles fans and the Rolling Stones fans? Well, I don't know if there was a big divide between the fans, you know, it's it's possible to like uh, oysters and snails, Antoninus, you know what I mean? It's, uh, I, I think it was more in the press, really. Okay. And then, uh, you know, there was, there was headlines in the press like, would you let your daughter go with a Rolling Stone? Because they had longer hair and they looked dirtier. And, and again, their management said, listen, well, the Beatles are all there in suits, so let's have the opposite of that. If if people's parents like the Beatles, let's not have that. Let's get, let's let's have a band that your parents are going to so, hate. So, I mean, so behind the scenes, were, were they any more hedonistic? Uh... Well, you see, that's the thing. No social media at that time. So we don't really know what was going on with the every day of the Beatles and every day. Of yes. I wouldn't think so. No, I wouldn't have thought so. But they were all But, but, but they, they, all friends, they cultivated you know? the image that they were more yeah, hedonistic. But that's the thing, Richard. It's, it's all records, you know? In yeah. the same way as it does now. And were they pals? Uh, they were, yeah. And and uh, the one of the early Rolling Stone singles, one of the first hits was called I Want to Be Your Man. And that was written by John and Paul. And they gave it to the Stones. And uh, what they did throughout the 60s, apparently, is that they would ring each other up and they would say, have you a record coming out? Oh, we'll hold on for a couple of weeks. And then if you, if you see, say, the video for All You Need Is Love by the Beatles, Mick and Keith are there doing backing vocals in the background. Uh, Brian Jones, I think, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I think he, play, he plays sax on a, on a Beatles B-side. So they were mates, you know. And okay. at the end of the 60s, there's the rock and roll circus, the TV show The Stones did, and John Lennon s- forms a temporary band with Keith Richards. So, oh yeah, friends. Um, 
stadium shows as well. Yeah. People know them so well now for their huge big stadium shows. I saw them in Slane a few years ago whenever mm-hmm. they played there about seven or eight years ago maybe. Is a it that long more. ago? Yeah, um, they kind of helped establish that trend amongst the big bands didn't they? Yeah I think they more or less invented it to be honest with you. I think um, the first time they ever played well they played here in the 60s in the Adelphi but uh, the the first big show here was Slane not the first time not the time we that's went. That's not that I wasn't yeah, we're, the first we're time. For that. But um, <laughs> the first time and that, that tour was um, kind of the first or one of the first big stadium tours, and they established that they established the economics of it, not just the, not just not the, you know made it pay, and that's mm. when they started becoming super rich. You know, they, they were well off in the seventies, but it was in the eighties and the nineties when they became mega rich. Because that's the other thing that's said about them, you know, is that when everybody has departed the stadium, uh, Mick Jagger is still there, kind of counting the gate receipts. Well, that's the thing. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wrote an article one, one time, and I said he never met a pound note he didn't like, and I think that's probably fair. But that's too. Uh, that's you know that we shouldn't say that at the expense of his artistry. I don't think. I think he's underrated as a songwriter. Yeah, but he was a savvy businessman. Oh, well. It wasn't, wasn't maybe mean, but he was just a, he w- he had real business acumen. Well, the thing is, I mean, if, if you think about in the in the seventies when Keith Richards was busy getting arrested every other week, and and uh, you know, it, it, so it could have all fallen apart. But it was Mick who, who took over. They couldn't find him. Um, they tried to find a manager when they when they broke out a manager and couldn't really find one. And Mick kind of took over. And he was in the London School of Economics when he was a young fella, and. He's just. I, I, someone told me a story once that they were on holiday, and uh, they they met this guy, and he was a financial advisor, and they're having a chat with him by the pool, and he said, "I've got to take this phone call." And uh, he came back, and he says, uh, "Yeah, that was Mick Jagger." And he says, uh, "Oh, we do some work for him." He rings me every Friday at three o'clock in the dot just to see how everything's going. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay, I kept his finger on the oh, on, yeah. on the pulse, absolutely, of the business. Uh, you, like you mentioned, the different members there who were there right from the off, or certainly uh-huh. within the first kind of 12, 18 <laughs> yes. months, they had it uh, settled. That's the other thing about the Stones, is the longevity and how long they were all together, pretty much the same makeup you know and there wasn't mm. there were not there were oh, maybe, there was a few there, substitutions few, yeah. and yeah. a few little hiatuses but no big long break and then a kind of a, a, a re- reformation mm. 15 years well, down there the was line a big, there was a big fight in was the there? 80s like after uh, Dirty Work which is about 83, 84 I think or maybe even 85 they, they were fighting in the press Mick and Keith were fighting in the press weren't getting on and uh, they started making solo records and things like that. And then when they got back together, then that was the first time I got to see them, which was 1990, I think, in Wembley Stadium. Is when oh, I so saw there was them. a big long break. There was, there was, a, they were fighting, and uh, they, they, they call it now in interviews. They joke about it. World War Three. Now, whether it was artistic reasons to get back together, or whether it was look, look at the amount of money we can make here, either one is good. Yeah. Have you a favourite album? I do, yeah. Exile on Main Street from 1972. I wrote 6,000 words about it this year in an article. And uh, it's the greatest record ever made. There is no argument at all. I've heard an awful lot of records. That's the best one ever made. People can ring in if they like... You know, and, and with greatest respect to them, they'll be wrong. <laughs> All right. You can save your 30 cent, but if you want to spend it, 53106, let us know. Is Pat wrong? Is Exile and Main, Main Street it's, it's not, only, not, it's not the greatest, greatest record ever? Oh, it's here probably, we go. It's probably He's doubling gr- down, folks. It's probably the pinnacle of all human achievement. You know, <laughs> modern, hold on a second. Now, modern medicine is pretty impressive, and we went to the moon, allegedly, and that's all good, you know. But it doesn't rock like Exile and Main Street. <laughs> Pat Carthy of Hot Press, Pat. An absolute pleasure. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.